Welcome to Realcast, the weekly roundup of the real asset markets. My name is Richard Betts, and I'm joined by the regular team of Dan Innes, Nicole Dines, and Paul Stroh. Um, Nicole, what have you been following this week? I've been looking at the London office market. Um, there's a report that just came out by Knight Frank uh, that gives some figures. There was a very strong end to 2020 with 4.9 billion of transactions just in Q4, which was more than the first three quarters put together. There were two billion pounds of transaction in December alone, which points to a real sort of eagerness on investors' part, you know, to use their dry powder that had been accumulating over the lockdown months and uh, and look for opportunities. But more importantly, um, in the beginning of the year, there seemed to be a real optimism because the market seemed to be focusing rather than on the pandemic that, as we know, is still very much ongoing, on the max vaccination program. And that seems to give a lot of uh, sort of optimism that things are going to get better. So investors are coming back. Uh, and they're also, the other big factor that's luring investors back, especially Asian investors, it seems, is the fact that, um, you know, the yields are much better than in other sort of gateway cities. We've said many times before, the Asian investors never saw Brexit as a problem. But now the end of Brexit, the end of, I mean, the Brexit being done, the end of uncertainty, they definitely see that as an opportunity. So that's a positive for the London market. The other thing I'll be looking at, which is um, just something very much for the future, is that we've seen all the problems uh, because of Brexit at the border, uh, problems with, um, you know, with paperwork, the so-called non-tariff barriers, which are leading to firms really struggling, uh, you know, in these first few weeks anyway, with uh, with more paperwork, rules of origin, and so on. Um, and I wonder, just it'd be interesting to watch over the next few months, how that leads companies to change, to, to modify their supply chains and reconfigure them. A lot of companies uh, are already looking at Europe rather than having warehouses in, in the UK to avoid that problem, so they can service their clients in Europe directly from Europe. So I think that will have a possibly a long-term impact that's something we'll go, we'll, we'll sort of keep an eye on in the future. Yeah, I think that's interesting. We're doing a special report and reaching out actually to the industry for them to give us their insights on, on, on how it's going to impact them particularly. Um, Paul, what have you been following? Well, there have been quite a few uh, summaries of 2020 and predictions for 2021, which is a slightly braver approach, I suspect. Um, Significant among these was the combined InRev, AnRev and Pension Real Estate Association survey of investor intentions. The headlines from this are that institutional investors plan to invest at least 55.4 billion in global real estate this year. Almost half of that, 26.5 billion, will be invested in Europe. Investors InRev surveyed have allocated 17.5 billion for investment in North America and 9.7 billion for uh, Asia Pacific, with 1.7 billion heading for the, the Americas outside the US and Africa. InRev is upfront in warning that these results may be skewed by the domicile of the survey respondents, but as an indicator, it's useful. Interestingly, 80% of respondents said that the turbulence attributable to the COVID-19 pandemic would not alter their investment plans. In fact, North American investors looking to Europe actually increased their allocation. InRev said this is perhaps because they sense the chance to enhance returns on the back of pandemic-induced opportunities in um, niche sectors and markets. There's been a notable shift to uh, a risk-off approach for investment targeting Europe, and core still dominates. There's a significant home bias in all regions at the moment. With, within Europe, Germany and France remain favoured destinations for the next two years. Germany remains the most preferred amongst investors. 
uh, while France has overtaken the UK and is now in a comfortable second place. Investors from Asia, Pacific and Europe are particularly interested in Germany and France, while their counterparts from North America show a strong preference for the UK. Inrev said North American investors typically have a higher appetite for risk and currently the UK offers more ways to enhance returns with distressed or repositioning opportunities. Globally, offices command the largest allocations from investors, 34%, followed by residential and uh, retail and industrial logistics. Niche sectors account for 11% of allocations across global portfolios. Among the reviews of 2020, BMP Paribas Real Estate has published its report on France. Investment for the full year fell 35% to 28.2 billion, despite a Q4 total of 10 billion. BMP Paribas say, although the figure was in stark contrast to several consecutive record years, it's nevertheless close to the long-term average of 28 billion. The decline occurred among all asset categories, um, but offices remain the most popular segment um, and attracted 18.6 billion over the full year. And while we're talking about investor intentions, this week Germany's international campus, the temporary living specialist for students and young professionals, announced that it plans to invest a billion over the next three years. Its main shareholder is Brookfield. International campus is mainly focusing the investment on A and B cities in Germany, but it also includes Austria and the Netherlands, and it's got holdings in Czech Republic too. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting, The um, that close as well for IC Campus. I also noticed that Allianz Real Estate debt portfolio had grown by 15% in 2020. And Dan, you've been following some, some activity in Paris. Uh, last week, the mayor of Paris, Anne Hildago, she confirmed that a 250 million euro makeover of the Champs-Élysées is going to go ahead. She said that, you know, the planned work that was first talked about in 2019 by community leaders in Paris was going to create a stretch of central Paris that's going to be an extraordinary garden. The committee held a public consultation over what should be done and, um, and it was sort of agreed that plans should include reducing vehicles by half, turning roads into pedestrian areas and green areas, creating a tunnel of trees to improve the air quality. This kind of initiative by Anne Hildago, they include other designs for famous places like Place de la Concorde. I think the aim is to improve the Champs-Élysées by 2030, including other initiatives such as around the Eiffel Tower. Elsewhere, I've been following retail rents um, and, of course, the ability to collect rent. There was an article in Drapers by Caroline Wadden about how the retail rent shortfall in the UK in the four months to December totaled at over £630 million. Pounds. Um, and that used data from Remit Consulting um, as part of a report uh, that was presented in conjunction with the BPF and, our, and RICS and Revo. In total, the retail property market had a shortfall in rents of 2.2 billion between March and the end of December, of course, and that's the period when the pandemic was really having an impact. And overall, commercial property landlords have had a, uh, a 4.2 billion pound loss in rents over the same period. And uh, next up, um, news from Primark. They're, of course, a key fashion anchor for many shopping centres, but they reported their revenue fell 30% over the last quarter. 
Um, whilst other kind of online fashion retailers like Boohoo, their sales were soaring. Primark kind of said that, you know, COVID restrictions that meant they'd had to shut their shops. They had to shut three quarters of their shops in Europe. They lost out on an estimated £540 million in turnover during the last 16 weeks of the year, really up, up to January the 2nd. Um, so really sort of seeing the impact that's having on on retailers as well. But um, still, Primark says, you know, their owners, AB Foods, they still say that online is not a desirable option for them. But watch that space, I guess. But um, Christmas, you know, delivered actually some good news, you know, that, that, you know, Tesco reported a billion pound boost to their sales over, over the holiday period. You know, that's Britain's largest retailer. And they said on Thursday last week that like for like sales had risen by 8.1% over the six-week period up to January the 9th. And Ken Murphy, he said that the grocery business had delivered a, a record Christmas across all of formats and channels. So supermarkets still definitely in vogue. But um, my, my other good news story of the week is where real assets are helping uh, with the pandemic. And news this week that Asda is set to become the first supermarket to provide in-store vaccinations for COVID-19. They've been chosen by NHS England to operate a vaccination centre from the 25th of Jan. And they said that they could handle up to 250 vaccines a day. They operate 238 in-store pharmacies across the UK. Their chief exec, Roger Burnley, he said, you know, they've got an extensive logistics network as well, that that could support the storage and distribution of vaccines. So I really see you know, this is great news that the real estate industry and um, and its logistical network is going to be able to support things like the rollout of vaccines, Richard. Great to end on a positive story. Thanks very much, Dan. Um, thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for joining us um, and look forward to you seeing you next week for our regular roundup of the week in real assets. Thank you. Thank you.